Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the intersection of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. And we got some other stuff to talk about. In fact, this is going to be a spotlight show this week because we're going to break down something important. That's coming up a little bit later. But first, the news of the week, and right at the top, Kansas Governor Laura Kelly vetoed a proposed ban on transgender athletes in girls and women's sports this past Friday. Now, the measure failed to secure a two-thirds majority of both houses of the Kansas legislature needed to override the veto. In a statement following the vote, Kelly said that the bill, quote, is harmful to students and their families, and it's bad for business in the state of Kansas. Now, her presumed Republican opponent in this year's governor's election, Attorney General Derek Smith, said he would have passed the measure if he was governor. If anything else, you already know, he's going to make it an issue in this upcoming campaign. This legislation is an issue across the country right now. 21 states are currently looking at these bills. They've either proposed them or moved them forward into committees or the floor of the legislature. 15 states have passed similar legislation. Idaho, Montana, West Virginia, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, Florida, Texas, Iowa, South Dakota, Utah, Kentucky, Oklahoma, and Arizona. Now, four states have passed bills that would ban affirming care for transgender youth. Texas, Arkansas, Mississippi, and the newest state to do it, Alabama. And they perhaps passed the most draconian bill of them all. Jail terms for healthcare professionals. $15,000 fine, and effectively detransitioning anyone who's already started on the path who's under 18. Now, since all these states are looking at all this legislation, we at the Transporter Room, as a public service to you, especially sports fans, we're going to start charting the major sporting events that come up in these particular states that are considering or passing these bills. And the next one comes up this weekend. The NASCAR Cup Series Geico 500 at Talladega, Alabama. Then May 7th, the Kentucky Derby in Louisville. The next day, Formula One, their inaugural race in Miami, the Miami Grand Prix. And oh, just a note, since Formula One drivers are saying that they They want to rock the rainbow and be part of the conversation in places like Bahrain and Saudi Arabia. I say, hey, that's great. But I better see some rainbow helmets in Miami. Yes, Sir Lewis Hamilton, I'm talking to you and the rest of you. Since you guys want to rock some racing pride, just don't show it in a place where people, the places people always pick on like the Middle East. Let's bring it to a state that just passed a don't say gay law and a state that had a governor who passed anti-LGBTQ legislation on the first day of Pride. Fellas, I'm counting on you. Put your money where your convictions are. May 14th, FA Cup Final, Chelsea versus Liverpool, live from Wembley, right smack dab in the heart of Turf Island. And May 19th starts the second major of the pro golf season, the PGA Championship in Tulsa, Oklahoma, another state 
which passed this legislation. Now, I got a shout out to every collegiate gymnast, fan, enthusiast who flashed up that hashtag flipping exhaust this past weekend. Now, last weekend had NCAA championships in gymnastics. The women were in Fort Worth, Texas. The men were in Norman, Oklahoma. Now, Blake, co-host of the Half In, Half Out podcast, which is dedicated to LGBTQ presence in the sport of gymnastics, had this to say about why he felt uncomfortable to go cover events he loves to cover. Uh, I would also call upon the NCAA uh, and all other sporting organizations to consider the impact of anti-trans legislation on the media, on fans, on family members, and on the athletes. There are openly LGBTQ plus athletes in every sport, and there are openly trans and non-binary athletes in college gymnastics. And we're asking them to travel to a place that is not safe for them. And that is not fair. Now, these issues aren't only a part of the American body politic. You need to check out what's happening in Australia right now. They've got elections coming up May 21st. And the push to make trans people an important issue is getting pretty bad there as well. Now, at the center of some recent controversy is a candidate named Catherine Deves. Now, she's maintained some rather anti-transgender views as part of her campaign, as part of the slate of the ruling Liberal Party of Prime Minister Scott Morrison. And right now, the betting line says he's kind of even money on whether he's going to keep the premiership in Australia or not. Now, Deves's comments have made some of the rounds in Australian news media in the past few days, and some of those comments surrounding trans people being unsafe, and it mentioned some rather prominent names, including a friend of this podcast. Because they keep wheeling out these little blonde, blue-eyed six-year-old boys going, I'm the trans person that you were told to be afraid of in the toilets. And it's like, well, we're not talking about that. We're talking yeah. about the Laurel Hubbards and the Veronica Ivies and yeah. the Kirsty Millers um, of the world. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if people actually saw what was happening and understood that, the numbers would probably be higher. In response to what you just heard, multi-sport athlete and advocate Kirsty Miller was quoted in Australia's Q News that she's considering a lawsuit against Deves. Now, in Britain, there's been a couple of developments. This past weekend, in a number of cities across the United Kingdom, trans people and allies in the thousands marched against the proposal of the current ruling Tory government to leave trans people out of a ban against conversion therapy. A lot of people showed up, and one who did is a favorite and friend of the podcast, endurance racer Charlie Martin. While she's getting ready for a new season as a hot shoe, there was a demo near her home base in Brighton, and she was there, speaking out. We also can report a twist in the cycling controversy surrounding Emily Bridges. The 19-year-old Welsh cyclist was banned, along with any other transgender woman or non-binary person who wants to race a bike by British Cycling two weeks ago. Now, an early season classic, the Cycle Classic, lost a key piece of sponsorship in the last week in the form of an individual benefactor named Peter Stanton. Now, Stanton is a person who loves cycling, loves the sport, wanted to do his part to advance women in the sport, and for years put up a lot of his own dough to sponsor the women's race at this classic. And he's been putting that pound sterling in line with his beliefs. 
and he did so after British Cycling made their announcement on Emily Bridges. Stanton withdrew his sponsorship for the women's race and the men's juniors race to the tune of 15,000 pounds. Now that's almost $20,000 US. The reasoning, he said, according to The Guardian, quote, while fully supportive of women's sports, I also have many friends and colleagues within the transgender community whom I feel that I would be letting down if I did not make a stand to show my support for their rights. He went on to say, quote, this is not the first case of a transgender writer competing under UCI rules or even as part of an official UCI team and to arbitrarily change that position based on one individual case I find totally unacceptable. I am desperately saddened by the Emberly Bridges case and the actions that it has prompted me to take. Now, in response to Stanton standing up for a transgender woman who just rides a bike pretty good, two known anti-trans groups in the UK have offered to make up the deficit, both Sex Matters and Fair Play for Women. Two groups which have made their transphobia well-known made a formal offer to make up the cash shortfall so that all the events can take place. Now, the race director, Colin Clues, acknowledged the bid and, and told The Guardian, quote, he had been overwhelmed by the messages of support for women's cycling. He said, quote, we will consider all offers of sponsorship to deliver the race in 2022 and support its future development. Also, Clues announced that a crowdfunding effort was put up to try and get them to try and make up the shortfall. And so far, according to recent reports, they've made up a good deal of it, over 10,000 pounds to be exact. Now, Dr. Nicola Williams, the director of Fair Play for Women, said in response, quote, We believe there should be a place for everyone in sport, but fair competition for women depends on keeping it female only. That was her rationale for putting up the offer. It sounds benign, but later on we're going to look at how benign it isn't. Emily Bridges has basically been left on the outside looking in. Her mother, Emma Sullivan, said, said as much on Twitter immediately following British Cycling's announcement of their decision. She said, quote, that Emily was dumped by email. Now, Sullivan has also stated that since the British Cycling decision came down, there's been no outreach toward Bridges in regard to the policy review that British Cycling said would take place in light of the decision, a decision that was roundly criticized by some, including this reporter, and supported by others like our least favorite newspaper, The Daily Fail. And oh, we know about The Daily Fail, don't we? Look at what The Daily Mail has been doing. The, the Daily Mail was sending a reporter to sit in the bushes in Florida to take pictures surreptitiously of college-age women in bathing suits. Pervs. Yes, in any other context, that would have just been creepy, perverted, and sick. Oh, by the way, a shout out to the person who made that epic rant, Alejandra Caraballo, who was a guest on our show a month ago, and again, gave one of the most epic rants in the history of the podcast. Well, she started her own podcast this week called Queering the Law. Fitting, given that she is a lawyer and she's the head of the Cyber Law Project at Harvard University Law School. All I can say is good luck, buena suerte, 
then I'll be subscribing. And that's the red alert klaxon. And you know what that means. We have to take a break, give love to the sponsors. But when we come back, we're going to get deeper into a critical question. Why is there so much aggression toward trans equality and trans rights, especially in sport? And what's the rationale behind it? I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. And welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm your host, Carly Chardonnay-Webb, and this week we're going to do a spotlight show where we break down an issue, take it apart, and look at some different things. And this week we center around a crucial question. Why is there so much aggression against trans equality and trans rights, especially in sports, and what's the rationale behind it? Because it seems whenever you talk about trans people in sports, especially trans women in sports, you hear a whole lot of this. You have all these biological males on this program like that fallen fox. You know she ripped out someone's cerebral cortex. This is a lot of woke nonsense. This is not about transphobia. It's about fairness for women. I want to hear from women, not from biological males who are no better than those East German drug cheats. The nerve of you, Carly Webb. This is yet just another example of the liberal agenda running amok. If we don't stop these transgenders now, they're going to turn your little boy into one. I'm telling you, we got to stop them and make America great again. If you let these biological males in sport, there'll be nothing left for the real women. This woke agenda has gone way too far. It's gotten out of hand. This transgenderism is getting ridiculous. I'm here to tell you I've said it a million times. Facts don't care about your feelings. It is imperative that we keep those biological males out of women's spaces. Think of the children. Now, in examining this, let's begin with the scoreboard. Here in the United States, trans athlete bans have been passed in 15 states, affirming care in another four, another 20 or so, are looking at either one or both types of legislation to be passed. Now, on the other side, you have a veto pending right now in Indiana that will be decided sometime in May, and you just had a veto upheld in Kansas. Laura Kelly, good on you. Now, what's the rationale behind all this? Well, for starters, it's 2022 here in the United States. It's an election year. And this issue counts. It's got legs. And opponents of this legislation don't deny it. There's a lot at stake in election 2022 in the U.S. There's control of the United States Senate, which could very well be up for grabs. There's control of the House of Representatives, which some see as being up for grabs, partially because the sitting president often loses seats. And there's a lot of polling numbers that say things aren't looking good for President Biden right now. Also, you have the state legislative races, city races, governor's races. There's a lot in play. And again, certain people know it, including 
this GOP candidate you're going to hear from. Now, her name is Shelly Luther. She's a candidate down in Texas. She's also a former school teacher. And after you hear what she had to say at a recent political action meeting, you're glad she's a former school teacher. And what we have done is become comfortable with what is okay in our society. I am not comfortable with the transgenders, um, the kids that they brought in my classroom, um, when they said that this kid is tran transgendering into a different sex, that I couldn't have kids laugh at them, like I couldn't have, um, like other kids got in trouble for having transgender kids in my class. That's why I vote for school choice. And my opponent is completely against school choice. Thank you. Talk about saying the quiet part out loud. And there's a voice in opposition that has some good insight into why you're seeing what you're seeing. It's Kansas State Representative Stephanie Byers. She is her state's first member of the legislature who is trans. And she notes how this issue could play in the 2022 elections and beyond. How much will electoral politics, you think, play into this process? Well, I think that's what this is. It's an election year. We've got people that are playing this out to feed red meat to their ever-dwindling base. I, I, I tell you, this came to me one time, and it makes the most sense to me at all. Somebody told me that for people like us, for people who are transgender, for people who are part of the LGBTQ community, as we are more and more accepted, we represent the future. This is the way our country's heading. This is the way society is heading. This is the way civilization is heading. We are more accepted every day. We've got a long ways to go in a lot of places, but we're more accepted every day. So if we represent the future, those people that refuse to accept us, those people that refuse, the people who put up every barricade, they represent the past. And that's a scary thing to think of. If you're a part of the past, we're seeing these reactions based out of fear. You see this all the time. It's not about love. It's not about promoting society. It's not about doing something to better people. This is out of fear. It's reaction over and over again of fear that they're afraid they're going to become insignificant. A piece of this comes from, of course, the Leah Thomas hysteria. And many politicians are riding this train to pass some legislation and maybe win them an election. Now, it's been used before. But now it's been metastasized. Right-wing media have largely now really saying again the quiet part out loud. And in many respects, it's even gone beyond the usual suspects like, you know, the Alliance Defending Freedom and the Heritage Foundation. Individual candidates are getting in the fray. For example, Christy Nome, who's looking to 2024, governor of South Dakota, signed one of these bills she had her own 30-second national television ad which talked about trans girls playing sports, which talked about Leah Thomas. Vicki Hartzler mentioned Leah Thomas by name and deadnamed her in a similar ad she made. And someone else, rather prominent person, a certain Dr. Mehmet Oz. Yes, that Dr. Oz running for Senate in Pennsylvania He's planning an anti-Leah Thomas ad for his television efforts as well. And it's not just here in the United States. Oh no, let's go to the land down under for a second. Because you know, as we said earlier, Australia, 
Australians go to the polls on May 21st, and this election is razor thin. And there's some controversy down there over a woman named Catherine Deves. Now, Deves is a lawyer and was the chosen selection of Prime Minister Scott Morrison to represent the ruling Liberal Party in a place called Warringah. Now, Warringah is a rather affluent area north of Sydney, and it's normally safe Liberal Party territory. Oh, by the way, just a quick note on politics in Australia. The Liberal Party is the mainstream conservative party in the country. You know, it's Oz, after all, things are a little upside down. Now, this particular district has gone liberal in every election until 2019. That's when an independent candidate snuck through and won. Candidate named Zali Stiegel. Now, she's a lawyer who also happened to be an alpine skier who won a bronze medal for Australia in the slalom at the 1998 Winter Olympics in Nagano. Now, she pulled off an upset to win this seat three years ago. She beat somebody named Tony Abbott, as in former Liberal Prime Minister Tony Abbott. Now, if Morrison is going to keep his place in Canberra, he needs to win this seat. This is a battleground seat. It is in play, as they like to say in politics. Now, Deves is not only a lawyer, by her own admission, she is a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. She's a TERF. Now, before some of you people say, oh, TERF is a slur, TERF is a slur. This is a designation Ms. Deves gives herself. And remember, the only reason you say things like TERF and sister slurs is because you use the term trans as a slur. Hashtag just saying. But I digress. Now, recently, Deves is more transphobic comments have come to light in media in Australia, including this particular passage with another noted Australian turf, which was on a pie cash he did right after Christmas, or as the turfs like to call it, turfmas. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't be on site, but because they keep wheeling out these little blonde, blue-eyed six-year-old boys going, I'm the trans person that you were told to be afraid of in the toilets. And it's like, well, we're not talking about that. We're talking yeah. about the Laurel Hubbards and the Veronica Ivies and yeah. the Kirstie Millers um, of the world. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, if people actually saw what was happening and understood that, the numbers would probably be higher. Now, in response to her name being dragged into it, athlete an advocate, Kirsty Miller, has told a few media outlets in Australia that she's looking to sue Dees for defamation of character. Now, legally, she's got a leg to stand on because according to the Anti-Discrimination Act in New South Wales, transgender vilification is against the law. And the law reads, quote, it is unlawful for a person by a public act to incite hatred towards, serious contempt for, or severe ridicule of, a person on the grounds that the person is a transgender person or a group of persons on the ground that members of the group are transgender persons. Now, if you want to read the, the entirety of this piece of the act, I'm going to put it in the liner notes for you. Another thing to look at, Deves is said to be the head of a group called Save Women Sports Australasia. Save Women Sports. 
Now, where have we heard that before? I am a wife, mom, amateur powerlifter, and the founder of the nonpartisan grassroots coalition Save Women's Sports. You're also a professional transphobe. Females young and old across the world now face exclusion from the sports they love with the inclusion of males. And anyone who stands in their path is labeled transphobic, bigoted, racist, and faces cancel culture. There will be no asterisk on the leaderboard to show future generations that that record is not obtainable because it was set by a male body. Leah Thomas should not be swimming in women's swimming. Period. Dead stop. Oh, yes. Belt Stelzer. Yep. They have a version of her in Australia. And with that in mind, we have to look at the second part of this rationale. Why this level of aggression? And mainly it's because governing bodies fear backlash against themselves by groups like Save Women's Sports. Now, let's take a look at Save Women's Sports and other groups like it. These groups aren't large, but they have affiliations with some other radical feminist groups, and they get together. They also count as friends certain groups which definitely haven't had women's rights in mind ever. In fact, they've spent a lot of time fighting against them. You know, groups like the Heritage Foundation and Focus on the Family and the Independent Women's Forum, which is really a conservative women's forum. They just don't want to say that word in polite company. Save Women's Sports tries to sell itself as nonpartisan. Yet, they seem to be in simpatico with a lot of groups that are more towards the political right. Now, that is something they don't necessarily want to admit to, but there is something important that they do admit to. One critical component. And they even put it on their website and put it on their social media. Anywhere where they think a transgender woman is competing, they're going to be there to mess with her. Don't believe me? Take a look at October. USA Cycling Cyclocross Nationals. Now, there was a transgender woman who was competing. Her name is Austin Killips. Now, Killips was in the women's elite race, did pretty well, ran top 10. And all throughout the race, there were people from Save Women's Sports and other affiliated groups heckling her, showing their banners, and basically showing how transphobic they can be. And of course, they were there in Atlanta last month with one purpose in mind, to harass, hound, and boo Leah Thomas. And they weren't alone in that endeavor, because another group, a number of, I'll say it, TERFs from the UK, led by a well-known TERF, Kelly J. Keene, also known as Posey Parker, they jumped on flights from, say, Heathrow or Gatwick to Atlanta for one purpose. Cross the Atlantic for one purpose, to heckle, harass, hound, and boo Leah Thomas. And along the way, they, along with Beth Stelzer and her group, even though Stelzer said there was no official connection between either, they at least came together long enough to gang up on a transgender journalist 
who was working the meat. And yes, we have receipts on that. On the basis of the comfort and dignity of girls and women, I'm asking you, telling you, please do not use women's spaces. My it girls, makes them feel uncomfortable. My girls and the other women I am with are very comfortable with me in right. the bathroom. Well, the fortunately, bathroom. I'm not your daughter, and my daughter is also not your daughter. That's right. And she so would she feel. Stand... Uh, uh, she would feel very uncomfortable. No, I interrupt right. me. No, 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 you excuse me. me. Excuse me. You interrupted me. I'm not here me. for a debate, Beth. Do you mind? Right. I would like to. I would ask you to please call if you're not. I beg your pardon. I'm asking you, as a mother, do not use female spaces. And I'm it very makes, uncomfortable. It makes women and girls feel very uncomfortable. As a mother, you are I not. Am, how dare you? As a mother, I am very. You're not a mother. You have never birthed your children. You are not a mother, Dawn. Now let's take stock of what you just heard. These groups are willing to board planes, trains, and automobiles to go heckle a trans woman who's just competing in a sport. And I'm not the only one who's noticing that. Another person who noticed is a cyclist named Molly Cameron. Now, Molly Cameron is trans and one of the founders of RIDE, Riders Involved in Diversity and Equity. Now, it's a group aimed at creating a more inclusive bike industry and sport. And as a person who loves riding a bike and is a cyclist, I'm all for it. Now, Cameron was at the USA Cyclocross Nationals in Illinois last October. And this is what she had to say about Save Women's Sports. This is quoted in Cycling Magazine. These are coordinated and targeted attacks. They only came out for the women's race and then they left. The issue here is that these actions are impacting those athletes that are racing. It is impacting the entire scene and damaging the entire community. And with that in mind, that leads us to talk about another cyclist, Emily Bridges. And British Cycling first made a decision in her case by not allowing her to race in the National Omnium Championships in March, citing a clerical issue. And then they went full bore on April 6th and called for a blanket ban on transgender and non-binary competitors as a whole. Now, at first they said it was a clerical error. Then they said, well, we're not sure, we have to go over the science. When in reality, it was fear of backlash. The possibility that a, that a Kelly J. Keene or a Nicola Williams or a Emma Hilton would get a group of people together and go to those championships or go to any race where Emily Bridges would be competing. Even after British Cycling had said prior to the National Omnium Championships that she was fully eligible to compete, only to have the UCI pull the rug out from under, and then British Cycling opened the trap door some more. And this led to the particular events and the Peter Stanton issue with the Cycling Classic. Now, Stanton, as we said earlier, pulled his money out, money that he had been ponying up for years to keep the women's race and the men's junior race going at this particular classic. So fair play for women and sex matters rushed in to try and fill the gap. Now in response, the race organizer Colin Clues started a crowdfunder 
but also had this to say. We cannot thank enough all those who've given their support to us regarding this issue. We wish to particularly thank the Joint Sex Matters and Fair Play for Women offer to make good the shortfall from a single source. This immediately gave us the heart that come what may, the race would continue. We remain eternally grateful. At least that is what Fair Play said in, said, quoted, in their press release. Now, Clues, however, said a lot more than that. Clues told the BBC, quote, that he had reservations of accepting offers from campaign groups for fear of politicizing the race. That's why the crowdfunder was started. He stated to the Beeb, quote, at the present time, myself and colleagues are considering that offer amongst other options that might be available to us from commercial sources. We want this event to continue into the future and therefore we will prefer to link with a partner or number of partners who are able to give us the financial backing for a number of years ahead so we're not in the same position next year as we found ourselves in this year. He also said, quote, Secondly, and this is important to appreciate, we are a cycling event. Our objective is to pursue women's cycling and promote it at its highest possible level in this country, but I have colleagues who have reservations with regard to the potential link to women's rights groups that might indicate to anyone out there or certain individuals out there a politicizing of the event. But now, this next quote from Clues, very important. Listen to it carefully. What is so important to us is the fairness of any races we put on, and certainly the current suspension that British Cycling have imposed on Emily Bridges, we can only endorse. Because that goes along with the fairness element. We can only endorse. But then note, Switches gears again. Quote, but competitors such as Emily, they wish to compete. We shouldn't be stopping them from competing, but it's how and where and when they compete. That's the big question. Now, this next bit comes from the verbiage of the crowdfunding site itself. And this is what's written here. The event sponsor, since its inception, in a shock move, withdrew his support, leaving the event under the threat of cancellation, owing to an entirely political principle unrelated to the race itself. Stop right there, Mr. Clues. No. No, no, no. This was not a political principle. This was a matter of the rules. By rule, Emily Bridges was first eligible, then wasn't. Because certain people complained. That's not political. Clues goes on to say, quote, This is not how true and fair sport should be. It cuts across the aims of those like ourselves wishing to provide the widest opportunities for women's cycling to continue its rapid development in a fair and equitable manner. Once again, Carly's question 101 comes into play. If we're talking about fairness, when does Emily Bridges get some? That is the key question again. It went back to that question for Leah Thomas. It's this question now. 
Now, one group that's not taking it lying down is a group called Pride Out. Now, Pride Out has put forth an open letter calling out British Cycling for the way they've handled the situation. And some heavy hitters have signed it, including a certain cycling commentator named Philippa York. Yes, that Philippa York. Former Grand Tour writer Philippa York. Current commentator of the Grand Tours for both print and television in Britain, Philippa York, who had this to say on her Twitter April 13th. It's not nice work at all. There are two hate groups, and we wouldn't be in this mess if they just left trans people alone. Now, the open letter itself says, quote, as the recent racism scandal in cricket demonstrates, you don't have to look far to find prejudice in sport. British cycling's failure to implement its own policies and strategies, which are supposed to be promoting inclusion in cycling, is prejudice against the whole community of cyclists. On a whim, British Cycling's directors appear to have reneged on their own policies and consultations. Isn't the ultimate challenge to integrity in cycling, to use British Cycling's own terminology, that trans and non-binary people have been excluded from taking part in a sport they love? This is intolerable and shameful behavior. Now, if you want to read the whole letter, I'm going to put a link to it on the liner notes. Now, the signees and draftees to this letter aren't the only people calling them out. Another person who called out British Cycling and called out the UCI is Dr. Veronica Ivey, who was a guest on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. The two-time Masters Track Cycling World Champion was also the part of a rather contentious interview with the BBC's Nick Robinson last weekend. And she had some serious criticisms to level. They adopted the policy of the UCI, and then because Emily was coming up and might have won a championship, they got backlash from a concerted, well-funded group of anti-trans protesters, and so they panicked. And nothing has changed in terms of any scientific data between January and April. What are some solutions to this? One solution right out of the gate was handed to us on this podcast a couple months back by University of Colorado professor and sports governing specialist Roger Pilkey Jr. But the reality is um, it is never acceptable to ban or exclude an individual from participating in an area of society where they are perfectly legitimate and recognized to do so based on their physical characteristics. I don't care if it's their skin color. Um, it, I don't care if it's their chromosomes. Um, there has to be, and this is, I mean, there's well-established law in the Paralympics um, and the rights of disabled people is, is, is probably the most notable example. There has to be reasonable accommodations made for inclusion. That doesn't mean anything goes. It means that we have to look carefully at what the criteria of inclusion are. You're starting to think, how can we exclude these people? That's prejudice and discrimination. The starting point has to be, all right, what are those reasonable accommodations we can make to maximize inclusion to the extent possible, given 
we there are other uh, values at stake. Memo to the governing bodies. Listen to Dr. Pilkey. You gotta stand up. And that means protect all athletes. And that starts with the rules. And yes, we've had three examples of some big governing bodies who had a chance to stand up for their rules and didn't. The NCAA could have stood up in January and said, this is our rule. But instead, they reversed field in the middle of the season and kept Leah Thomas on the string. And British Cycling has done similar to Emily Bridges. In fact, they did worse. And the UCI, the world governing body for cycling, went right along with them. Now, if you three need an example of how you stand up, I got one just right down the street from where I'm sitting. The Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference, a high school governing body. Because they went through this a few years ago in the matter of a couple kids named Andrea Yearwood and Terry Miller, who were under a threat by, by certain parents and later named and demeaned in a lawsuit by the Alliance Defending Freedom. Executive Director of the CIAC, Glenn Lungarini, stood his ground. He stood up for the CIAC's policy, which was in line with state human rights law. He said, quote, to do otherwise would not only be discriminatory, but would deprive high school students of the meaningful opportunity to participate in educational activities, including interscholastic sports based on sex stereotyping and prejudice sought to be prevented by Title IX and Connecticut law. That's how you do it. You stand up for your law, and you stand up for it strong. And you back it up at your events. What happened at the U.S. Cycling Cyclocross Nationals should not have happened. Now, that doesn't mean that the best Elzers and Nicola Williamses of the world don't have the right to protest. They do have the right to protest. They do. But at the same time, a governing body does also have a right to set the limits on where they protest and how they protest in an effort to protect the athlete. Now, but... Those who have a bigger part to play than even the governing bodies are fans, supporters, and other athletes. Speaking out for starters. Things like the Pride Out, like the Pride Out open letter, not a bad start. In fact, I'll say it, I'll sign it. In fact, I did. I took off the reporter's hat for a second because, yes, I'm a reporter. Yes, I'm a journalist. I'm also trans and I'm also a cyclist. This concerns me. And if you love a sport, any sport, this is a matter of fairness that should concern you too. And about groups like Save Women Sports, again, they have the right to protest. They do. But you as a fan, you as a supporter, you as an athlete also have a right to peacefully resist. You have the right to drown them out. They're coming to heckle someone. You're coming to cheer for everyone. So do it. Use your cheers to drown them out. And once in a while, don't be afraid to speak out. 
They have the right. They feel they have the right to heckle, and you have the right to tell them to sit down and be quiet or leave. We're here because we love the sport. You're here because you hate somebody. That's the difference. And to fellow athletes, stand up, speak out. And many of you have. Keep doing it. And for all of us, support those who support inclusion. Whether it's a governing body, whether it's an event, whether it's an apparel supplier, a shoe brand. If they're supporting inclusion, support them not just with your voice, but also support them with your dollars. Vote with your wallet. Vote with your race entry. Oh, and should you walk in a voting booth? That's especially for French folks this week, because you've got an election coming up. For Australians in May. And for Americans in the upcoming primaries throughout the spring and summer and the general election in November. If they're against inclusion, if they want to legalize discrimination, don't vote for these people. Don't. Please. It's that important. Are there conversations to be had in regards to how we include trans people in sport. How do we include non-binary people in sport? Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of conversations that still have yet to be had. There's also been a lot of conversations that have been had. There's a lot we don't know, but what we do know, again, it points to inclusion. And inclusion's been working. But let's also understand the stakes of the situation. Right now, we're in a political landscape where transgender people are, unfortunately, a wedge issue. We have this wedge issue showing up, not just in our body politic, but also within our sporting organizations. The best way to counteract that is by building cultures of inclusivity everywhere we are. And that starts at our local bike club, that starts at our sports clubs, that starts in our gyms, that starts in our teams, that starts in our sports organizations. And it moves up to our city councils and our legislatures and our congresses and our parliaments. Build those cultures at the foundation and keep building them up. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not. What it's going to call is for a collective action and collective courage. But as we say at Outsports, courage is contagious. And we need to spread that throughout the landscape. A personal hero of mine, Martin Luther King Jr., said it best. The arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And it does. But if and only if we as athletes, as supporters, as allies, as fans, make it so. Tend it up, I want to send another shout out to Innafried. Now, Inna's the chief technology correspondent for Axios, and they were boots on the ground during the Tokyo Olympics last summer, out proud and trans and covering the games. 
And a few days ago, they started a hashtag campaign called Hashtag Letters for Trans Kids. There's a story on it in Outsports right now. Check it out. And I want to give a little bit of a contribution to that hashtag right now. And it's from the fourth principle of Olympism. And it reads, the practice of sport is a human right. Every individual must have the possibility of practicing sport without discrimination of any kind and in the Olympic spirit, which requires mutual understanding with a spirit of friendship, solidarity, and fair play. Friendship, solidarity, fair play. For young trans people, that goes for all of you as well. So get out there and go play. And that goes for all of you, young and old alike. That's the transporter room for this week. And just a note, if there's something you want to see or someone you want to see as a guest on this show or something you want to say about what I'm doing here, by all means, leave a message on our Twitter page, our Facebook page, or at our Instagram site, Transporter Room 10 Forward. Because everything I do here at the Transporter Room, I do for all of you. Because you're the people who support what I'm doing. That's the Transporter Room for this week. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper and study as she goes. I'll catch you all next week.